Act Three of The Admirable Bashville by George Bernard Shaw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three Wiltstoken, a room in the Warren Lodge. Lydia at her writing table. Oh, past and present, how ye do conflict as here I sit writing my father's life. The autumn woodland woos me from without, with whispering of leaves and dainty airs to leave this fruitless haunting of the past. My father was a very learned man. I sometimes think I shall old-maided be, ere I unlearn the things he taught to me. Enter policeman. Asking your ladyship to pardon me for this intrusion, might I be so bold as ask a question of your people here concerning the Queen's peace? My people here are but a footman and a simple maid and both have craved a holiday to join some local festival. But, sir, your helmet proclaims the Metropolitan Police. Madam, it does. And I may now inform you that what you term a local festival is a most hideous outrage against the law, which we, to quell from London, have come down. In short, a prize fight. My sole purpose here is to inquire whether your ladyship any bad characters this afternoon as noted in the neighbourhood. No, none, sir. I had not let my maid go forth to-day, thought I the roads unsafe. Fear nothing, madam. The force protects the fair. My mission here is to wreak ulchion for the broken law. I wish your ladyship good afternoon. Good afternoon. Exit policeman. A prize-fight! Oh, my heart! Cashel, hast thou deceived me? Can it be thou hast backslidden to the hateful calling I asked thee to eschew? O oh, wretched maid, why didst thou flee from London to this place to write thy father's life, when as in town thou mightst have kept a guardian eye on him? What's that? A flying footstep. Enter Cashel. Sanctuary! The law is on my track. What? Lydia here? I, Lydia here. Hast thou done murder, then, that in so horrible a guise thou comest? Murder? I would I had. Yon cannibal hath forty thousand lives, and I have ta'en but thousands thirty-nine. I tell thee, Lydia, on the impenetrable sarcolobe that holds his seedling brain, these fists have pounded by Shrewsbury clock an hour. This bruised grass and caked mud, adhering to my form, I have acquired in rolling on the sod, clinched in his grip. This scanty reefer coat, for decency snatched up, as fast I fled when the police arrived, belongs to Mellish. Tis all too short, hence my display of rib, and forearm mother naked. Be not wroth, because I seem to wink at you. By heaven, t'was paradise that plugged me in the eye, which I perforce keep closing. Pity me, my training wasted, and my blows unpaid, sans stakes, sans victory, sans everything I had hoped to win. Oh, I could sit me down and weep for bitterness." Thou wretch, be gone. Be gone? I say be gone. O tiger's heart wrapped in a young man's hide, canst thou not live in love with nature and at peace with man? Must thou, although thy hands were never made to blacken others' eyes, still batter at the image of divinity? I loathe thee. Hence from my house, and never see me more. I go. The meanest lad on thy estate would not betray me thus. But tis no matter. He opens the door. Ha! Ah, the police! I'm lost! He shuts the door again. 
Now shalt they see my last fight fought. Exhausted as I am, to catch me will cost the coppers dear. Come one, come all. Oh, hide thee, I implore. I cannot see thee hunted down like this. There is my room. Conceal thyself therein. Quick, I command. He goes into the room. With horror I foresee. Lydia, that never lied, must lie for thee. Enter policemen with Paradise and Mellish in custody, Bashville, constables, and others. Keep back your bruised prisoner, lest he shock this well-bred lady's nerves. Your pardon, ma'am. But have you seen by chance the other one? In this direction he was seen to run. A man came here anon with bloody hands, and aspect that did turn my soul to snow. Twas he. What said he? Begged for sanctuary. I bade the man be gone. Most properly. Saw you which way he went? I cannot tell. He seen me come, and he done a bunk. Peace there. Excuse his damaged features, lady. He's Paradise, and this one's Byron's trainer, Mellish. Injurious copper in thy teeth, I hurled the lie. I am no trainer. I, my father, a respected missionary, apprenticed me at fourteen years of age, to the poetry writing. To these words I came with nature to commune. My reverie was by a sound of blows rudely dispelled. Mindful of what my sainted parent taught, I rushed to play the peacemaker, when, lo, these minions of the law laid hands on me. A lovely woman, with distracted cries, in most resplendent fashionable frock, approaches like a wounded antelope. Enter Adelaide Gisborne. Where is my cashel? Hath he been arrested? I would I had thy cashel by the collar. He hath escaped me. Oh, praises be for ever. Why dost thou call the missing man thy cashel? He is mine only son. Thy my son? My son. I thought his mother hardly would have known him, so crushed his countenance. A ribald peer, Lord Worthington by name, this morning came with honeyed words beseeching me to mount his foreign hand, and to the country high to see some English sport. Being by nature frank as a child, I fell into the snare, but it took so long to dress that the design failed of its full effect, for not until the final round we reached the horrid scene. Be silent all, for now I do approach my tragedy's catastrophe. Know then that heaven did bless me with an only son, a boy devoted to his doting mother. Ark, did you hear an oath from yonder room? Respect a broken-hearted mother's grief, and do not interrupt me in my scene. Ten years ago my darling disappeared. Ten dreary twelve months of continuous tears, tears that have left me prematurely aged, for I am younger far than I appear. Judge of my anguish when to-day I saw, stripped to the waist, and fighting like a demon with one who, whatsoe'er his humble virtues, was clearly not a gentleman, my son! Oh, oh strange event! Oh, oh passing fearful tale! I thank you from the bottom of my heart for the reception you have given my woe. And now I ask, where is my wretched son? He must at once come home with me and quit a course of life that cannot be allowed. Enter Cashel. Policeman, I do yield me to the law. Oh, no! My son! My mother! Do not kiss me! My visage is too sore. The lady hid him. This is a regular plot. You cannot be up to that sex. You come along with me. 
Fear not, my Cashel, I will bail thee out. Never! I do embrace my doom with joy. With paradise in Pentonville or Portland, I shall feel safe. There are no mothers there. Ungracious boy! Constable, bear me thence. Oh, let me sweetest reconcilant make, by calling to thy mind that moving song. They say there is no other. Forbear at once, or the next note of music that falls upon thine ear shall clang in thunder from the last trumpet. A disgraceful threat to level at this virtuous old man. O oh, Cashel, if thou scornst thy mother thus, how wilt thou treat thy wife? There spake my fate. I knew you would say that. O oh, mothers, mothers, would you but let your wretched sons alone, life were worth living. Had I any choice in this importunate relationship? None. And until that high auspicious day when the millennium on an orphaned world shall dawn, and man upon his fellow look, reckless of consanguinity, my mother and I within the selfsame hemisphere conjointly may not dwell. Ungentlemanly! I am no gentleman. I am a criminal, red-handed, base-born. Base-born? Who dares say it? Thou art the son and heir of Bingley Bumpkin, Fitzalgernon de Courcy, Cashel Byron, sieur of Park Lane, and overlord of Dorset, who after three months wedded happiness rashly forbid himself with prussic acid, leaving a tear-stained note to testify that having sweetly honeymooned with me, he now could say, O oh, death, where is thy sting? Sir, had I known your quality, this cop I had averted, but it is too late. The law's above us both. Enter Lucian with an order in council. Not so, policeman. I bear a message from the throne itself, of fullest amnesty for Byron's past. Nay, more, of Dorset, deputy lieutenant, he is proclaimed. Further, it is decreed, in memory of his glorious victory over our country's foes at Islington, the flag of England shall forever bear on azure field twelve swan-like spots of white, and by an exercise of feudal right too long disused in this anarchic age, our sovereign doth confer on him the hand of Miss Carew, Wiltstoken's wealthy heiress. General Acclamation Was anything, sir, said about me? Thy faithful services are not forgot. In future call thyself Inspector Smith. Renewed acclamation. I thank you, sir. I thank you, gentlemen. Uh, my former opposition, valiant champion, was based on the supposed discrepancy betwixt your rank and Lydia's. Here's my hand. And I do here unselfishly renounce all my pretensions to my lady's favour. Sensation. What, Bashville? Didst thou love me? Madam, yes. Tis said. Now let me leave immediately. In taking, Bashville, this most tasteful course, you are but acting as a gentleman in the like case would act. I fully grant your perfect right to make a declaration which flatters me and honors your ambition. Prior attachment bids me firmly say that whilst my cashel lives, and polyandry rests foreign to the British social scheme, your love is hopeless. Still your services, made zealous by disinterested passion, would greatly add to my domestic comfort, and if— Excuse me, 
I have other views. I have noted in this man such aptitude for art and exercise in his defence that I prognosticate for him a future more glorious than my past. Henceforth I dub him the admirable Bashville, Byron's novice, and to the utmost of my mended fortunes will back him against the world at ten stone six. Hail, Hail Byron's, Byron's novice, champion, champion shall be. be. Must I renounce my lovely lady's service? and mar the face of man tis fate's decree for no rash youth that in this star-crossed world fate drives us all to find our chiefest good in what we can and not in what we would a postorn ark what noise of wheels is this lord worthington drives upon the scene in his foreign hand and descends perfidious peer sweet adelaide forbear audacious one my name is Mrs. Byron. Oh, change that title for the sweeter one of Lady Worthington. Unhappy man, you know not what you do. Nay, tis a match of most auspicious promise. Dear Lord Worthington, you tear from us our mother-in-law. Ah, true. But we will make the sacrifice. She blushes. At least she very prettily produces blushing's effect. My lord... I do accept you. They embrace. Rejoicings. Cashel aside. It wrings my heart to see my noble backer lay waste his future thus. The world's a chessboard, and we the merest pawns in fist of fate. Aloud. And now, my friends, gentle and simple both, our scene draws to a close. In lawful course, as Dorset's deputy lieutenant, I do pardon all concerned this afternoon in the late gross and brutal exhibition of miscalled sport. Lydia, throwing herself into his arms, your boats are burnt at last. This is the face that burnt a thousand boats and ravished Cashel Byron from the ring. But to conclude, let William Paradise devote himself to science and acquire by studying the player's speech in Hamlet. A more refined address. You, Robert Mellish, to the Blue Anchor Hostelry attend him, assuage his hurts, and bid Bill Richardson limit his access to the fatal tap. Now mount we on my backers four in hand, and to St. George's Church, whose portico Hanover Square shuts off from Conduit Street, repair we all. Strike up the wedding march, and Mellish, let thy melodies trill forth, broad all the world as fast as we bowl along. Give me the post-horn, loose the flowing rein, and up to London drive with might and main. Exeunt. End of Act 3 End of The Admirable Bashville by George Bernard Shaw